Hello and welcome to the Every Nation Twane Moikluf podcast. We trust that you'll enjoy today's message with us. So I often get asked, because I live in England, I'm, my wife is British, uh, do I, you know, will I support England or the Springboks? Uh, for the record, I will support the Springboks. All right. And I'm not just saying that because I want you to listen to what I'm going to say. All right. Um, but, uh, you know, Philip and I have been to many nations together. I've actually got some photos here of some of the nations we've been to. Uh, the first one is, uh, if we can just have the slide, Central African Republic. Um, it is a French, uh, former French colony. Okay, maybe it'll come up in a, in a sec. Um, it's a former French colony, one of the five poorest countries in the world. And as every nation, we had an opportunity to work with the prime minister, and he invited us also in partnership with the the chancellor of the university to launch a leadership initiative. And um, there we go. I know, Philip does wear suits, believe it or not. So um, so we, we went, Philip and I went to Central African Republic. We launched a leadership initiative that's still going today, Philip. And they're still discipling students on the campus uh, through this initiative. We had about 800 students that came to this conference. But just a little bit of context of Central African Republic, uh, there's a lot of hostility between Muslims and Christians. And about a year after we were there, when this photo was taken, the the Muslims came and and, uh, took over the city, demanded that the prime minister we were working with should step down because he's a a, a radically on fire, a man of God. Uh, We worked with a leader who's got a leadership organization that meets with the prime minister every week um, for discipleship. So this is a man with a heart for discipleship, and he said, please, will you come? But we were uh, working then with the chancellor of the university, a lovely born-again lady, um, spirit-filled, and, uh, but she said to us, because of the hostility between Muslims and Christians, that we, we can talk about leadership principles from the Bible, we just can't mention the Bible. So right at the end of the conference, after Philip had spoken and Simon Lerafolo and some others, Tim Elmore from America, um, after the conference was finished, Philip turns to me and he says to me, Franz, I really think we need to preach the gospel. Do you remember that, Phil? And um, during the, the organizing of the conference, the vice chancellor was uh, commissioned to work with us to do all the logistics and planning, and this man just didn't want this conference to happen. He did everything to try and sabotage this conference. He resisted everything we wanted to do. But in the end, Philip says, Franz, I really feel we need to um, preach the gospel. I couldn't, you know, we couldn't just say yes. We needed the chancellor's permission. She's, you know, we turned to her and she said, you know, you're right. And, and you know, will you please uh, share the gospel, do an altar call. Philip gets up, preaches the, the gospel clearly and boldly. And you know, the first person to put his hand up was his vice chancellor. And the leader, yeah, let's give the Lord a hand. All right. So God used that moment and many others responded to the gospel that day. And then uh, the, the people we were working with on the ground started discipling them, and uh, today they're still having impact. The next picture I want to show you is actually um, when we were in Paris together to help our church plant. Um, we were doing an outreach. Philip flew over, and he came, and he joined us. Um, these two girls, uh, on the far right is our intercessor. Um, she prays for us. She prays for the nations. Uh, we have pray, give, go as a way that we reach nations. And so she's a prayer, and, and, and uh, even in Thessaloniki earlier this year, when we went to do outreach at Aristotle University, she came with a team just to pray. And so they bring the airstrike so that the ground troops can be effective in what we do. We need to pray, 
We need to send through our giving. We need to go. So um, on this occasion, the two girls um, on my left, uh, I, I just reached out to them. Um, you know, we, I went out into the dining hall, connected with them. God gave me a word for them. They were both in tears. I prayed with them. And neither of them made a commitment to follow Jesus in that moment. But two days later, uh, we had an event where Philip spoke. And then again, he preached the gospel. Both these girls came forward, gave their hearts to Jesus. Isn't that awesome? I love our partnership, Phil. We've been to, to nations. The third one I want to quickly uh, mention to you, and I'm going to come back and, and share more about this, uh, this one. Uh, this one is in Kenya. And um, here we are. Uh, this was when we went on a scouting trip, um, I think. I'm sure we were thinner than that. It, photos probably been stretched, hey, Phil? It doesn't do you justice. So there we go. So, so here we are in Kenya. This was on a scouting trip. Uh, you'll see, some of you may know Devet and Mimi. They were originally sent from Every Nation, Shwani, to South Sudan, and then they came and joined our church plant team um, uh, together there. I also want to highlight the couple who I'll speak about later, where the, you see the K in the green block. Um, they're the couple sitting behind that K. That's Martin and Rahab. They're a Kenyan couple we built relationship with over two years before we actually arrived in Nairobi to, to start the church. And um, he's an architect, she's an accountant, they're amazing people. Uh, he had such a passion for students, church-based campus ministry and making disciples. That was his passion. So he just couldn't wait for every nation to come and arrive in Nairobi. So here we were on the scouting trip, but what happens is, you know, it's very dangerous to sit next to Philip on a plane because there was a guy called Brian. Do you remember Brian? So a guy called Brian, he's Kenyan, he's a lawyer, sits next to Philip. Philip starts a conversation with him. One of his parents is Muslim, one of his parents is Christian, and um, they get into conversation. He says, I've got questions. You know, I, 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 this is the home I've grown up in. So Philip says, well, listen, we're going to be in, in Nairobi for a few days. Why don't we have lunch together? We have lunch. You know, I mean, you, I, I'm sure you, you figured out what would happen next. He shares the gospel, and Brian gives his heart to Jesus. You see, the reason we go to the nations is because the gospel needs to be preached. The gospel heals it restores, it makes whole, it brings us into relationship with God, the very purpose that we are made for, and this is why we go. And so this morning, I'm gonna share with you three things. I'm gonna talk about our call to nations, which is what REACH is all about. It's about reaching nations. We reach nations to pr uh, through praying, through giving, and through going. But secondly, I'm gonna talk about radical sacrifice. This is what I've been asked to speak about um, I'm sure Philip probably chose like radical love or radical kindness or something nice. But he asked me to speak about sacrifice. It's okay, Phil. It's one of the, another one of those things I'll forgive you for. But here we go. I'm the guy who has to speak on sacrifice. But, um, but you're going to learn that there's a blessing that comes when we obey God and sacrifice. And God never asks us to do what he himself was not willing to do. Because he said... Um, you know, because the Bible says that God so loved the world that he did what? He gave. But he didn't just give his pocket change. What did he give? He gave his best. His sacrifice was a radical sacrifice. He sent his only son, and his only son is God, and he gave his life the ultimate price, it's radical sacrifice. And why did he do that? He did that for the nations. So I'm gonna be speaking about that. And then lastly, I'm gonna talk about that the pain 
is not in vain. Because when you make radical sacrifice, there's pain in the offering. There are things you have to give up. You have to give up your time. Maybe it's your finances. Maybe God uh, puts it on your heart to give someone a car. Or maybe it's a house for, for orphans. You know, there's radical sacrifice, but, but there's always, um, but the pain is never in vain. When you put it in God's hands, he will multiply it. And he will do great things with what is a sacrifice for us. And so we're going to actually look at um, an example in the Bible today of someone who, who, made, who, who lived a life of radical obedience, radical sacrifice. And I'm speaking about Abraham. So we're going to look in our Bibles in Galatians chapter 3. If you've got a Bible, you can turn there, Galatians chapter 3. Otherwise, uh, we've got it on the screen. So Galatians chapter 3 and verse 7. And it says the following. It says, understand then that those who have faith are children of Abraham. Speaking about the faith, the faith that we have when we put our trust in Jesus to save us from our sin, when we put our trust in what he did when he died on the cross, paid the price so that we can be restored into relationship with Almighty God, the very reason why we exist. So it says that we who have faith are children of Abraham, and we'll come back and look at why Abraham, why, why is Abraham so significant? And it says that scripture foresaw that God would justify Justify means to be made right. Some say it's like, just as if I never sinned. Justify. We are restored because the issue is that sin is what separates us from God. God is holy and when we sin, we become corrupted. And then it's like oil and water. We cannot have right relationship with God until sin is dealt with. So here it says that scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles. And the word Gentiles is, is anyone that is not a Jew. It is actually a reference to nations. Because through Abraham, God made a covenant, you know, which is like what we do in marriage. You make a covenant, it's a promise, it's a vow. Um, it's when you, uh, you're joined together in, in covenant. Um, God made a covenant uh, with Abraham uh, to form the nation of Israel, but it was so that through Israel, the nations could be blessed. That was always God's purpose. God had a vision for nations when he made Abraham his friend. And then it says, and announce the gospel in advance to Abraham, the gospel which is the power of God unto salvation. God made a covenant with Abraham, which is an Old Testament covenant, in preparation for the new covenant through Christ Jesus, so that the kingdom of God can come into the world, beginning with you and I, beginning with us as people, to be restored to God. And then it goes on, it says, and here's and he the thing, he has the purpose of this covenant with Abraham. He says, so that all nations will be blessed through you. God's purpose and plan is, is it grieves him, it breaks his heart when he sees what's happening in Ukraine, when he sees what's happening in Israel and Palestine right now. This breaks the heart of God. And he wants to see wars end. He wants to see poverty end. He wants to see blessing come to the nations. And how's that gonna happen? It's gonna be through the gospel. It's gonna be through Jesus Christ and what he did when he died on the cross and paid the price with his own life. So this is what it's all about. So this is what we are talking about here 
is radical sacrifice. So what we're going to do now is we're going to go and look at uh, what's referred to here in Galatians. We're going to go back to um, the Old Testament in Genesis chapter 22. And there are actually three references, three times in Genesis, when God speaks to Abraham and says, I'm going to bless the nations through you. Um, first, in Genesis chapter 12, verse 3, you can just note these down if you want to go and study it in your own time. Um, the second is in Genesis 18, verse 18. And then the third time is here in um, Genesis 22. And we're going to start, and we're going to read three portions from Genesis chapter 22, which paints the picture of what God intended to do through Abraham. But first, there is the test. Okay, there is the test. God has already promised Abraham, made a promise with him. He met with him previously on a, on a, on a few occasions. Um, he made this promise. They became friends. Um, and, he, and he promised him that even in his old age that he would have a son, and through his son that, that he will become a great nation, and through this nation the nations of the world will be blessed. But now he meets Abraham a second time, and here we pick up from verse 1. Uh, sorry, a third um, I don't know which times, uh, multiple times, but here he meets with Abraham yet again, and he says this. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. Now, that might seem strange. Why would God test someone? You know, God will test you. And the reason why he'll test you is because he wants to know, can he trust you? He wants to impart blessing through you, but first he needs to show he can trust you. Can he bring blessing to your life? And, and if he does, are you just going to keep it for yourself? Or are you going to be like God and use the blessing to help others? That is God's mission. That is God's purpose. He is looking for people that will be loyal, that will be faithful, that he can trust. So here he, here he tests him. He says, sometime later, God tested Abraham and he said to him, Abraham. And it's actually like a friend. He's calling him by name. And he's saying, Abraham, I know you. Abraham, come. I want to speak to you. And Abraham responds and says, here I am. So here I am. And you know, God will at times, even today I believe, some of you, God will speak to you. God will call you. What will be your response? Will it be to ignore him? Or will it be to say, here I am, Lord. Here I am. What do you want? Now, previously when God called Abraham um, by name, he gave him an awesome promise and he fulfilled that promise. He gave him a son. And it was a, mir a miracle. So I don't know what was going on through a Abraham's mind in that moment, but maybe you're thinking, wow, well, last time God gave me a son, I wonder what he's got for me this time. Not knowing that he's about to be tested. And so here, yeah, uh, then verse two says, um, then God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah, Sacrifice him. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain I will show you. He asked him to give the most precious thing he, he, he possibly had. He asked him to give up the very thing that God had already gifted him with. So God didn't come and say, hey, I've got another blessing for you. He was like, radical sacrifice. Give up your son. That, and, and, and just in case he... He, he thought, you know, Abraham might have misunderstood, or, or Abraham thinks, well, God doesn't understand. He makes the point and says, whom you love. He knows that his heart is affectionate toward this very thing 
that he's asking him to give up. And then he, he, he has Abraham's response in verse three. He says, early the next morning, early, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood, and that takes effort, by the way. I don't know if you've ever cut wood. And they didn't have um, chainsaws in those days, all right? So he had to go through the labor of cutting wood. I wonder what he was thinking. He was like, I'm cutting this wood to sacrifice my son. But notice it's early the next morning. And I, I, my encourage, my advice to you is if God asks you for a radical sacrifice, don't delay. Because you'll probably talk yourself out of it. So be like Abraham. Obey immediately. And it says, when he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. And then, um, next thing I wanna share with you. So, so here we see, this is a test. And, uh, and then we see verse, and we're gonna skip forward to verse nine, um, where we're gonna focus on radical sacrifice. It says, verse nine, that when they reached the place um, God had told them about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. And imagine this, he bound his son, knowing what he was about to do. We had, my wife and I, we struggled for four years before our son Titus was born. It was a struggle, it was hard, there were tears, um, there was confusion, there was doubt. I can't even imagine what it would be like if God had asked us to sacrifice Titus in a moment like that. But here he is, and he bound his son. He, he has a point to note as well. Some people, you know, I, I used to think in my mind, Isaac was probably like a little boy, but there was a lot of wood that had to be carried. So at the very least, he must have been a strapping you know, a teenager who could carry the wood. Abraham was old. Isaac could have resisted, but he didn't. Instead, you know, he, he, he must have been willing. He must have trusted his father, even as Abraham trusted God the Father. And so here it says, he bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. He was ready to do what God had asked him to do. This was a radical sacrifice that he was willing to do. He was willing to give up his best. But you know, God never asked him to do more than what he himself was willing to do and which he eventually did do, to give up his only son. And then uh, verse 11 says, but the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. And again, he replies, here I am, he replied. He didn't know that God was gonna stop him. He was willing to go all the way. And then here's what God says to him. He says, do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. And now I know that you fear God. Now, just to be clear, this word fear is not the word fear like fear of the dark or fear of spiders or fear of snakes or, you know, it's actually the, the Hebrew word yare, which can also be, uh, it can be used in the context of that kind of fear, but it also means to reverence, to honor, is, is what, and that is what is meant here, to reverence and to honor. Um, and so he says, Abraham, because you were willing to give up your son, I see that you fear me. And, and what he's saying is, I know that I can trust you with a blessing. And he says, because you have not withheld from me your son, 
um, your only son. This is how he knows. And that's how God knows your heart. What are you willing to give to God? It shows the degree to which you fear him, to which you reverence him, to which you love him, is what we're willing to give to him. And so God's heart, we know, is for the nations. And, um, and then we go on, um, and he has, he has what he promises Abraham because he knows that he is trustworthy. And he says um, in, in verse 15, and we're gonna read verse, 60, uh, verse 15 and, and 16 and 17. And it says, and the angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this, because you were willing to obey, because you were willing to, to make radical sacrifice, he says that because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, and I love how it keeps saying your son, your only son, God kept saying your son, your only son, he was pointing to Jesus. He was referencing the new covenant that would come through Christ to save the world, to restore all of creation. And he says then in verse 17, um, I will surely bless you. I will bless you. I will bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies. And that is what we are called to do. We're called to go and take possessions of cities, of nations, of campuses, of communities, of families. We're called to go and rule and reign in life by Christ Jesus through what he has, um, the, the blessing that he wants to release through us. What you've received as a blessing. And I'm not just talking about financial blessings. Some of you have been blessed financially, and it's that too. But there's a blessing you've received of peace, of joy, of purpose, of meaning, of contentment. And the blessing you've received, God wants you to pass on to others through sharing the gospel, through making disciples, through calling them into their purpose and the purpose that God has for a life, for a family, for a community, for a campus, for a city, for a nation. Can you say amen to that? Amen. So he says, and through you, um, verse 18, and through your offspring, here it is, all nations, all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. Friends, I wanna tell you, here's the principle. God's blessing, we've just spoken about blessing. There's, there's the test, there's radical sacrifice, and then there's the blessing that comes. But God's blessing is designed to not just flow to us, but to flow through us. Let me say that again. God's blessing, whether it's financial, whether it's the love, the joy, the peace, the right relationship you have with God, the blessing is not just to flow to us, but it is to flow through us. That is against culture. Culture is all about materialism. It's all about gaining more, receiving more, you know, living for our comforts, trying to do better, try to succeed. This is countercultural to say that I am blessed to be a blessing. I'm going, you know, what I've received is meant to flow through me um, to others, and that's God's purpose for us. And so um, I hope we understand that all of us, as, as it says in Galatians, we are children of Abraham. The blessing of Abraham flows to us as we are spiritual sons and daughters. We are in this covenant as, um, you know, with God. Now, the last thing I wanna share with you, um, and, and don't be deceived, that doesn't mean it's two minutes, all right? <laughs> the last thing I wanna share with you is that the pain is not in vain. 
when we make sacrifices, the pain is not in vain. God sees every tear. God sees every struggle. God sees, feels every pain that we feel. But God is more than able to store up, to redeem, and to, uh, and to restore. And I wanted to share with you, just personally, something I, I haven't felt the liberty to share before. This is the first time I'm speaking about this in public. But I really felt God just put on my heart. And I wanna to speak to you about our journey to Kenya. And Philip mentioned this earlier. Um, as I mentioned, you know, that picture of, of Kenya. The reality is that it was a, a very tough journey for us as a family. In 2015, we came and we spent two weeks here in, in Shwani before being sent out to go to Nairobi to go and start the church. The vet and Mimi were already waiting for us, Martin and Rahab, and there was another couple, Clarkson and Carol. But <coughs> before we arrived, we went through multiple traumas. My wife fell through a glass door, she nicked her jugular, she almost died. The, the, the doctor said that if it had gone another millimeter, she would have bled out and there's nothing we could have done about it. She'd been offered a job at one of the top schools in Kenya to be head of science. They would have provided our visas, flights, accommodation, um, as well as income. Three months before we arrived, they pulled the job. They said, sorry, we've restructured. Uh, you don't have a job. Suddenly, we were scrambling to get finances, visas, um, accommodation, and also, this was where our, our kids were going to go to school. And so suddenly, that was taken away from us. Um, our team, we had a team of 10 people that we were going to go to Nairobi with, and six weeks before we arrived, all of our team members pulled out except two. So suddenly, we went from a team of 10 to a, a team of two. Now, you know, you look at that and you go, like, so why did you still go? <laughs> And we prayed about it, but we really felt God say, no, keep going. And we submitted, to, you know, Philip was our oversight, the elders of, of, of every nation, Pretoria at the time, they were our oversight. And if they had said, no, guys, it's not time to go, we would have stopped. But, it, but all of us felt it was still time to go, and so we went. And then, um, and, and, and when we arrived, uh, we had a month of outreach that we had planned and organized. Uh, in, in one month, we had 137 people respond to the gospel. Muslims, atheists, uh, we launched 26 discipleship groups in that time. But our family went through severe trauma. We, started, we encountered intense demonic attacks. In one night, um, two of my kids woke up screaming and both of them had dreamt about dying and we knew this was spiritual. There was radical sacrifice. One of my sons started having panic attacks. He would disappear. We wouldn't know where he is, and we'd find him fetal in the bottom of a cupboard or under a bush, just sobbing, and we'd, we wouldn't know how long he'd been there. And eventually, he actually became suicidal. And at that point, we reached out to, to Philip, and we said, Philip, we're not coping. As a family, we're not coping. And so the apostolic team sent Philip to come to Kenya. He came on the ground, and then while he was there, he just said, guys, we need to pull you out. The mission was a success, but the family was suffering. And as a movement, um, I think I saw the values here somewhere, one of our core values is family. And so with love, they extracted us, and we went to George. And uh, during that time, God said to us that now you are, um, that, that actually you're released, and I've got another plan for you, and that's when he called us to Europe. But we went through pain. We went through suffering. We went through struggle. Not only that, then a few years later, um, we heard that the Kenya church plant was gonna be shut down. 
And, and one of my sons um, saw a map of where every nation is and he saw that we were no longer in Kenya and he came and he was confused. And he was like, you know, why do we go to Kenya? Where's Kenya on the map of every nation? And it was a painful moment. It was a time when, you know, you know when you scroll through your photos to see, um, you know, try to find a photo. And, and when I, I would, act, you know, get a, come across Kenya photos and I'd have to shut the app down. I couldn't look at the photos. It was so painful. And so when I heard that the, the church plant was going to be shut down, I reached out to, uh, to Philip. I said, Philip, is there any chance, um, you know, can we reach out to Martin? Maybe he would be willing to step up and maybe he can continue to lead. And when I reached out to Martin, he was, he was so full of pain. He was burnt out. He was struggling. And he had actually left every nation. And so the, the tough decision was made that actually this church plant must come to an end. Okay, I'll end my sermon there. No, I'm joking. <laughs> I wanna share with you what happened last week. Until last week, in my mind, it was like we had dropped a big boulder in the pond, a big splash, and it all just settled down to nothing. As if the blood, the sweat, the tears, the pain was for nothing. But the pain was not in vain. I wanna share with you, um, I've got three photos. The first one is Stephen and Faith. They came to me at the conference, I'm talking about just last week. They came to me. They said, France, we want to thank you for opening the door to Kenya for us. We want to thank you for breaking open the ground. We want to thank you for, for releasing us you know, and, and making it possible for us to go. And we want you to know that what we are doing, because this is a couple that have now just been sent to go and plant a church in Nairobi. And they said, you're the ones who've made it possible for us to go. And, and I was confused and I said, well, that's very kind of you to say, but honestly, all that we did is now gone. Um, this is a new beginning. And they were like, no, France, it's not. We are continuing what you began. And quite honestly, I didn't believe them. Just be honest with you, I'll be real. And then in the next photo, this is Ricky. So Ricky led the first outreach team when we, were, when we went to plant the church in 2015. This is him sharing the gospel with Freddie. I met up with Ricky last Monday. Ricky says to me, France, um, and I showed him this photo. And I uh, said, so like, hey, remember Kenya? Here we go. And, um, you know, I'm excited about you going and you leading the team because uh, he's now going in a few weeks' time. In November, he's leading the first outreach team to, to our new church plant in, in Nairobi. And so I showed him this photo. And he says, Franz, I led three people to Christ. I'm still in contact with them during that time in 2015. They are serving the Lord. They're in other churches. They are, are faithful. And, and, and they are a blessing um, where, wherever they are. And suddenly I realized, hey, wait a minute. All that we sowed wasn't dead. It was just a seed that was buried in the ground. It wasn't a boulder that dropped in a pond and just leveled off. This is a seed that's now coming back to life. And um, the last picture I wanna show you, some of you will recognize Ben Schumann. He was part of the original church plant team with, with Philip and Renee um, here in, in Pretoria in Chwani. Um, he and I are standing with Martin at the World Conference. I didn't know that Martin was going to be at the World Conference. As far as I was concerned, he was burnt out and, and, and disillusioned, discouraged, and wanted nothing more to do with ministry. And there he is at the World Conference, and we just happened to be sitting with him on campus night. They do a call for who wants to give their lives to campus ministry. He almost ran to the front. This is Ben and I. And pray, just after we prayed with him, God showed us that his destiny was a seed in the ground. It wasn't dead. And, and you know what he said to us? He asked him, I said, why are you here at the World Conference? He said to me, France, 
I have tried to go to other churches in Nairobi. He said, my heart burns for the students. My heart burns for discipleship. I want to do church-based campus ministry. There's no other church in Kenya that does church-based campus ministry, so that is why I'm here. And so he's now gonna be our campus leader joining Stephen and Faith to continue the work that all of you have been part of. Yes, let's give the Lord a hand. Because every nation, Pretoria, sowed finances, they sowed mission teams, they sowed people. And I wanna tell you that all that you sowed is now coming back to life. And so we had this powerful moment where Ben and I together um, to, to pray for Martin and just see what God, what God would do. And, um, so I hope that encourages you. And, and just to finish off, uh, sorry, in the last picture I wanna show you, in the, in the background is actually the vet and Mimi standing behind us. Can you see they're circled? That's the vet and Mimi. Isn't it amazing how we've come full circle? And so I, the point I wanna make is the pain is not in vain. Whatever God will put on your heart to give, whether it's pray, to give, or to go, I wanna tell you whatever pain there is in the sacrifice, God will take it, he will use it, and he will multiply. Let's all stand to our feet. I wanna take this moment and I wanna just pray for you. As I mentioned, there was a time when all that we gave there we go, time's up officially. <laughs> um, all that we gave, I thought, was for nothing. All the sacrifice, the blood, the tears. Honestly, until last week, I thought it was for nothing. I thought there was nothing to show for it. But I wanna stand before you today and say, God is a redeeming God. And I believe there's some of you here today. There are dreams God put in your heart and, and life has happened, things have happened. And you think that your dream, the, 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 the vision of your destiny is dead, but, but God is saying to you today that it is just a seed that's been buried in the ground and it's ready to come back to life. So I wanna just pray for you. If that, if, you, know, you don't have to put up your hand. You just stand before God. And I, I'm gonna pray for you and I'm just gonna ask God to bring to life that which has died. Let's bow our heads. Father, I just thank you that you are faithful to your covenant. I thank you that you have a heart for the nations. I thank you that this is a church that is committed to, to reaching nations, to pray, to give, and to go. But Father, I know that there's some people here today who, who are feeling disheartened and discouraged because of things that have happened in the past. But Lord, I ask that today, let today be a day of restoration. Bring to life what has died, Lord God. May you bring, come Holy Spirit, come Holy Spirit. May you bring resurrection life out of that which has brought so much pain. I thank you, almighty God, the pain is not in vain, that you work all things together for the good to those who love you and call on your name. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. And that concludes today's message. For more information, visit our website at everynationtwane.org forward slash that's everynationtwane.org forward slash Moikluf. Also, be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Till next time then. Yeah.